Clams and Cockles, I am Ross Bolin here today with my buddy, Mr. Barrett Dudley, as always, to bring you the best TV shows and movies weekly in an easily digestible podcast packed with laughs. Barrett, how are you doing on this weekend? Well, it's a weekend. It's Saturday. It's a Saturday. It is also February 29th, a day that we won't have next year. You know, it's a leap day. Oh my God, it's leap day. That's right. February 29th. So now we can reveal the real reason why we're recording late in the week. It's because we wanted to record on a day that we... Only comes once every four years. Yeah, yeah. Is it once every four years? Once every four years, yes. That's right. So it happened this year. It won't happen next year. It won't happen the year after that or the year after that. That's right. But the one after that... one after that. That's the one. Another February 29th. That's the one. Why don't we just... We'll record today Mm -hmm. and then we'll wait till the next one. And that's when we'll do our next episode. <laughs> yeah, and we'll right. only put out podcasts on leap days. Uh, yeah, and uh, and have to find other ways to make money though, probably. <clears throat> well, you know, that's the other thing is that that we laugh, but it it might be the next leap day where we do get to record again once the this uh, the you know sixty five million people are dead from coronavirus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And that thing, that whole thing wraps up. You and I were discussing whether or not we should record today wearing masks, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. we couldn't find any because of the shortage. There's a shortage. There's yeah. a shortage. Yeah. You're panicked in these streets, aren't you? I'm a little bit panicked, yeah. I spent like a good like 30 minutes last night just being like, this is not good. This is, I was just sitting on the couch, just really free, having like a good freak out. Sure. This is pretty, it's pretty, it's scary. It's pretty gnarly. Look, we've watched too many movies and TV shows where shit like this goes down and then it just keeps escalating and then Matt Damon has to try to save the world. <laughs> That's exactly right. Like we've been there. The, the, it's also like just the slow creep of it now in the United States. Yeah, dude. I almost wish that it would just like just happen. Just happen. How, how bad it could be? Right. But now there's like one pops up in uh, Solano County and then Santa Barbara. And now it's in Oregon, a, yeah. uh, a community spread case. Yeah. And so it's just like they're not stopping it because they can't that, stop it. That phrase, community spread. Community spread. Yeah. I'm not cool with that. <laughs> not my community, man. No way. So it's just like, it's just a matter of time. Oh, don't forget, we're about to let in like, you know, 300,000 randos in two weeks for South by Southwest. God knows where all of the- Yes, God knows where all of the, all they've all been. No one knows. So- Not uh, even God. (laughs) Those people come from out of the gates of hell. South by, not my favorite. So that, that you just have to think that 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 festival is just going to like lay the smack down. Like somebody's bringing it for sure, right? I mean, aren't you kind of... Listen, here's where I'm at. I don't want anybody to die, obviously, but Mm -hmm. that's going to happen. People are dying every day, all right? Just being (laughs) real. Um, I root for chaos with these type of situations because of the content. I'm team content at the Uh end of the day. And if I'm picking between, you know, the humans or team content and the coronavirus... It's not that hard of a choice for me. I'm picking team content in the coronavirus. Oh, wow. So, okay. As this is going right now, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for the old, the infirm, <laughs> yeah, and the infants. Yeah. I'm rooting for them all. Okay. But I feel pretty confident with my chances. 
of you know not, what I'm saying? Of not this dying. Cur- this is a Curb Your Enthusiasm episode. Larry is not scared of coronavirus because he's rich. Mm-hmm. He's fine. Yeah. He's old. He might be infirm. But the money keeps Larry safe. That's, yeah. That's likely. Mm. But, the, you know, these viruses, man, they don't, they don't distinguish. They're viral. They're, yeah. They go viral. They do. <laughs> In the air. <laughs> So. I don't know. I don't know what I'm. I'm not. Listen, just for the record, I'm not actually rooting for the coronavirus to wipe us out entirely. But a small percentage. It might take a good chunk. It really yeah. might. Um. Anyway, we're going to be discussing the Outsiders' eighth episode today. The yep. one before the penultimate. The tenth season of Curbs. It's the penultimate s- of the penultimate. I know. The tenth season of Curbs' sixth episode. And then we have a top five today that reveals at least I have a bit of work to do. I'm not going to say who the top five is, but it just revealed to me that I was, I was like, oh, shit. Okay. That's all I'll say for now. A little slap and tickle tease. Um, yeah. I mean, as I mentioned, as, as, our, uh, as our fears with, with coronavirus stuff have been stoked by our viewing experiences in the past, we watch a lot of television. We watch a ton of movies here as part of the Clam Fam. And uh, we know that can be hard on your eyes, which leads us to our first sponsor. This episode of OCC is brought to you by Felix Gray Glasses. I constantly have my face in, in a screen from morning to night, my computer screen, my television screen, my phone, my compu- like my PC- gaming PC at home. Like It literally is the entire day at this point. It's, it's quite scary. And there's nothing I can do to cut back that time. And I've been wearing contacts since I was like 12 years old. I can't see shit without contacts or glasses in. By the end of the day, my eyes from wearing the contacts, from staring at all these screens, they're tired, they're dry, I get headaches, blurry vision, I have trouble sleeping, it sucks. But not since I've been wearing Felix Grey Blue Light glasses. Felix Grey launched in 2016 with a singular focus to offer the most effective computer glasses on the market with all the quality of brand name designer frames. They quickly became the internet's favorite blue light glasses. Felix Grey filters out 90% of high energy blue light, eliminates 99% of harsh glare coming from screens. That's the weirdest thing about throwing them on to me that I noticed back in uh, several months ago, or actually in 2019 when I was first introduced to them. Um, I didn't realize how much glare was on my living room television, for example. Like, I'm closing the shades and shit, but when I put on the Felix Grays, my TV view is so much more clear as a result of eliminating that glare, which is just something you might not realize. Just another added benefit. Unlike other brands who use cheap blue light coatings that are ineffective, they can chip, they can scratch, Felix Gray uses a proprietary blue light technology embedded directly into the lens. Available in prescription, non-prescription, they have readers. Got you covered no matter what. Optical glasses for work. They got these... uh, these sleep glasses that you can wear in the evening, they're clinically proven to increase melatonin secretion when worn leading up to bedtime. Mm. Science. People generally like bedtime secretions, so yes. that's that's good. And a good melatonin hit. Right. <sighs> <laughs> Why would you buy glasses from a company whose sole focus isn't making glasses? I trust Felix Gray because they make the best blue light glasses in the game. Go to felixgrayglasses.com slash OCC and get a pair of blue light glasses from the pros. Shipping and returns are totally free. That's F-E-L-I-X-G-R-A-Y glasses.com slash OCC. Felixgrayglasses.com slash OCC. Go today. Support the pod. Get yourself some blue light destroying glasses. Let's talk about what's uh, available from this month on the wonderful patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles, where you can support this podcast financially in exchange for more content, more OCC, more episodes, more podcasts, ad-free. No advertisements on patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles. The idea being that you uh, support the show, help Barrett and I continue to do this for a living, and in exchange... 
You get more. In February, we did. Uh, we started the month out hot, out the gate. We covered the Academy Awards, mm. the Oscars. That's right. Did a little recap and review. Loved it. Had a ton of fun. Whether or not you missed those or you watched them doesn't really matter. The hour toast incredibly the, enjoyable. Toast of the town. It was indeed. We did hotline calls for all to tease y'all. Um, with the, the general populace of those of you in the Crustacean Nation and Mollusk Militia um, because, of course, the last thing that comes out each month is the hotline call extravaganza just for the Mollusk Militia, which we are recording immediately after this episode, actually. We also did our throwback movie club for Casino Royale. Ah, that was a good one. In advance of uh, the la- the new James Bond movie, what is it, No Time to Die? No coming Time soon? to Die, I think that's right. Yeah. The, the title stills, I'm not my favorite. <clears throat> You know, I don't hate the title. My issue with it is that it's kind of difficult to remember because it sounds so much like other Bond films and it just yes. is like a jumble of the same like phrasing and words with death and time and no and other things. Yes. So it's just like... It's yeah. too many other Bond movies made into made one. Made into one. And yeah. so I keep having a hard time kind of like remembering exactly yes. what it was called. At least four movies have come out in our lifetime with very similar names. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah. I don't know what... Yeah, they should have just gone like off the wall, like called it something like, you know... Um, <laughs> D- J- Buck Mountain James Bond 007 like you know Spider Chopper or something like that but how do we keep the prudes out <laughs> we don't let them in yeah I keep seeing uh, Jeffrey Wright and stuff like random television commercials Westworld 3 trailer and now I can think of his uh, is him as Felix yeah just like hey man you gotta keep your cool we'll stake you that's what I'm saying I work for the CIA the C I and the A, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> okay, his character is a little campy, isn't it? Like in the in the in Casino Royale in particular. Just play it cool, man. He's like, I've got you. Yeah, you do. You're doing a good. <laughs> that's a good. It's like a weird. He's very. He's got to be so subtle. Yeah. yeah. And he's doesn't he have a no? James has the has the, the, knife. the knife. He's gonna yeah. go s- try to stab the chief. Yeah. And Jeffrey Wright's just so chill with it. Yeah. Hey, I'll stick you. <laughs> you don't have to stab him. We've got you. Five million dollars. Isn't it five million? He just like hands it. Five million pounds, yeah. yeah. You know what I was thinking about when that happened? I was like, that's where our tax money goes. We, our government takes it and they give it to international super spies from other governments (laughs) to allow them to compete in poker tournaments. Totally accurate. Yeah, that's exactly what, yeah. So stop complaining, folks. That's where it goes. Right, yeah. It's to a good cause. (laughs) All right, you ready to talk about The Outsider? Anyway, patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles. Support OCC. Get more. Ad free. The Outsider, season one, episode eight, was titled Foxhead. Now, this is the first time I've actually processed that. Is it because of the, the heads? Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's wearing a... Was the, that a fox? Cuckoo is wearing a, a fox mask. Mm. Yeah. The little I boy was a bear, right? A bear. Yeah, I didn't stop to think th- about it being a fox mask. Neither did I. But now, but now I'm. That yeah. makes, yep. Okay. So now it's computing. Yeah, yes. it's a fox in the hen house situation. I just remembered. You know, he's wearing a scary, right, demon animal mask. Basically, why didn't they put the boy in a hen mask? What does a hen mask look like? Let the boy watch. <laughs> Let the boy watch. Uh, but yeah, yeah, fox head. Yeah. Oh, so uh, the gang is going to hang with Claude. To keep him safe and establish an alibi for the crimes that we all expect uh, El Cuco to cause him, or to commit in his name, right? El Cuco is becoming Claude. Claude is the strip club guy. Yeah, that's right. We've been waiting for Claude to start to turn. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we're just, what's just explained to us at the beginning of this episode is that Holly Gibney 
has El Cuco like shook, right? He's a li- he's sort of on the run. He's running and like feeding at the same time to try to regain strength. Yeah. Which it's the most direct setup for an episode we've had yet on this show. Like where you sort of get like the, okay, here's exactly what's happening. We're going to be going to Tennessee. Mm-hmm. We're going to be keeping Claude safe yes. while El Cuco's off trying to do his thing. And we're going to try to entrap him so that we can prove once and for all, yeah. not only that he exists or it, <clears throat> but that, you know, we're going to, that there's a way to fight this thing. That's right. The plan, it all goes swimmingly well. It, it does, right? <laughs> That's exactly how it all unfolds. Yeah, no, every, I, I think I liked this episode so much because they, one, they give us a lot here. They show us Whew. El Cuco in a stage of transformation. What they a move, show, by the way. They show us uh, like what he needs to do as he's like gaining strength, mm-hmm. which is kill randos and uh, viciously eat them. The crunching noise. The crunching noises, man. They really, they got them good. They oh. did. They they really did that. Yeah. Uh, they they show us like you know, they just give us a lot. Like he's he is a physical presence. He can walk in somewhere and try to steal a child. He's in the know? back of dude's car. Right. He's got tats on his knuckles. What did that say? The, well, those are Claude's tats. Oh, that's so what we were seeing. Show there. us that he had been. So, like, as I'm watching, and he's he's sitting there. Uh, Jack is well. First of all, let's let's just can we start pulling at stuff? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I have a lot. I have some questions. Okay. Like, okay, so for let's start there. Jack Hoskins, he's doing big work the whole episode to keep El Cuco, uh, keep his munchies at bay. Mm-hmm. Basically, El Cuco keeps being like, "I'm hungry," and Jack's like, "I, I just, eat. I just fucking murdered someone and fed him yeah. to you, bro. I even sat eight feet away while you ate him. You need more food." He was full of cancer. Well, he doesn't have to worry about that anymore. That, that was, was a great line. <laughs> um, Jack. Also gross though. Yeah, but just like I don't know, it was weird. Eating, it was so nasty. Eating like, cancer. Yeah, to think yeah. about he consumed yeah. he consumed cancer. A guy yeah. riddled with cancer yeah. and yeah. was like, "No, that wasn't good food. Yeah. I need more." Yeah. And Jack's just like, "Fuck." <laughs> Jack, by the way, the actor, every actor and actress in this show is doing next level shit, but Jack's character in particular because there's like a level of solemn like he's alone with this thing. Mm-hmm. And it's constantly digging its claws into him further, keeping its claws in him. Like the moments where he shows it exerting its power over him when he's in the car, it says like, I'm fucking hungry, bro. And he's basically like, dude, I just fed you. And the thing kind of is like, you know what? Enough conversation and sort of takes control. Mm -hmm. And he's like, and starts driving. There's like those moments that he just gives a lot of, he, he, he's done a great job of making El Cuco more real to me. Mm Mm-hmm. By the way, he reacts to it and yeah. his uh, his scenes with it, but yeah, you also get like a good idea of why these the net guys also go out and like like our our previous net guy like basically goes suicide by cop. Yep, because it's like once you know about this thing, once it's ridden in the backs of your car, yeah, once you've killed for it and watched and listened to it like eat, eat like you can't you, you, you can't take that shit. Yeah, what are like, you going to do? There's nowhere to go after yeah. that. Yeah, it's fucked. The question I had about Jack, I did not follow when Ralph is explaining Jack and his, he's like, one time we had drinks and this dude blacked out and told me all about his life or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he said that he was like trained as a sniper. I didn't understand what that's, how that story made him an easy target for El Cuco. He's basically like, he went through all this training. He did all this stuff. He became a sniper. And then Holly's like, no. And, and Ralph's like, Yeah. Um, and I was like, wait, what? What happened? Did he fail the sniper, the last sniper test? 
He they shipped them off to Alaska, right? So they, I, I think it was just adding to like the severe level of grief and kind of loss that this guy was already dealing just with. Just life disappointment. Life just, yeah. Life has just torn this guy down and never given him anything good. Hasn't gone the with way his family, Yeah, with his family, with this his one thing that he wanted to be. He like okay. gets all the way and then fails the psych test. So not only is he like emotionally ah. weak already, but then that causes him to like lose the one thing that he wants to do in life. Yeah. And then get shipped off to Alaska to live like this futile existence in solitude and and- yeah. There you go though. I would say the main thing is that he was he was going through all this to get to a place and then the psych test showed that he had, you know, like a mental health thing or was he was clearly susceptible to this type of right. uh, yeah. El Cuconess. Yeah. Yes. And uh no, that's that's great. Thank you. That that makes it work in my head now. Or even just, you know, maybe they sensed like we we've kind of seen this he's been a gruff guy all along. But, we, you know, when we watch him in some of those, it, like in the early episodes where mm-hmm. he's going hunting or whatever, yeah. or where he's in the strip club and like ready to just like pop off he's and just like brooding. fight anybody, like that pro- that factors in too, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can't have a sniper that's just a loose cannon. Right. Right? Like they have to be extremely calm yeah. and level-headed. In control. And in control and yeah. Yes. No, you're absolutely right. That's that's a that's a great, great answer. Um. And so he's Jack is go is well Okuko is forcing Jack to drive him out to where Claude is going, right? Claude Claude knows, doesn't know, but he senses what's happening. He feels somebody trying to get into his house, into his head. Yeah, right. He's like, "Fuck this, I'm out." He goes to Cecil, Tennessee, which, by the way, I don't think actually exists. And uh, well, I thought you were about to tell us that you've been to Cecil, Tennessee before. No, no, no. Absolutely. Which, uh, by the way, I've been there. Spent a few nights there. Great uh, town. I'm going to go ahead and give up my review of Cecil, Tennessee. <laughs> And the bed and breakfast I stayed did in on you Third get, Street. But did you get Worst Fest vibes from this little, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. the little carnival thing? Yeah, for sure. For, yeah. From the for Cave Con or whatever this thing was. <laughs> yeah. Th- this thing. Um, Whole squad going spelunking. Yeah, I loved how they ripped on it too. <laughs> the, like the grandpa's like, this fucking sucks. <laughs> We've been doing this for way too long. And she's like, the kids love it. And he's like, the okay, kids don't. Was that, was that grandparents? Or was that supposed to be parents? I thought it was parents. Everything I've read said grandparents. It's grandpa- okay, so right. it must have been in the in the credits or whatever described correctly. Okay, before I forget, because he I'm, did look too old to be the kid, the son's they're dad. So young, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I wasn't really thinking about that when I was watching. I'm ninety percent sure the giant obese man in this episode, the grandpa, mm-hmm. is the giant obese father from the scene in the movie In Bruges, which is one of my favorite movies of all time, starring okay. Colin Farrell and and uh, but and Brendan Gleeson. But where Colin Farrell and then Brendan Gleeson both tell these Americans they're too fat to fit in this uh, tower. They're like, excuse me, no, you don't, your lock don't want to be going up there. And he's like, fuck you, motherfucker. It's uh, because they're fat and it's funny. Um, I'm 90% sure that's the same guy. And it was one of those moments where I was like, I don't get how they do these casting calls. Like, they're like, we need a super fat guy. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then there's like four good obese actors who come in and are like, all right, which one of us is it going to be? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This dude just happened to win this role. Yeah. Good acting job. I think, no, I think, I'm pretty sure you got it. For these very specific roles like that. It's like four dudes in Hollywood. They know who, the, they know what they're looking for. They know the visual that they want. And they probably like, you know, a casting director's like, oh, well, there's that one guy who was in that movie. 
And then somebody else. I worked with this dude. I worked with this dude. And so there's two. And then maybe you like give a casting, you, you throw it out to some agents, be like anybody else you got that you think would be a fit kind of matches this look. And then maybe they send you five or six more actors and then you read. And then so seven dudes are reading and then you pick one. And the Bruges guy got it. And the Bruges, yeah. Yeah. Um, That's my guess anyway. Oh, uh, Eunice, which is the name of one of the uh, one of the cops. The cop riding with that's, the guy that's who the... loves is into Holly. Andy. Andy's yeah, into yeah, Holly. Yeah. Eunice is riding with Andy. He's and... the GBI. He's he's yeah, he's yeah. on the which I believe is a, I think that's a real thing. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Georgia Bureau. You know how I know it's a real thing? Podcasts. One of those true crime shows, they said GBI a thousand times. Okay. Why don't we have a TBI? We we must have something else. Like that must be like our we have like Texas Rangers. That's huh. gotta be like that's our version of yeah, that. Yeah. Uh-huh weird anyway when he's ripping when he's Eunice is giving Andy a hard time telling him like Holly can walk into a room and tell you when everybody in that room is gonna die oh, or, oh if the people who are close to dying mm-hmm. when their time is nigh and he, she's like <laughs> she'll look at you and then it's almost like she has to look away and then she'll reach out to you but then no she has to reach back and Andy's like fuck <laughs> she hasn't done anything like that with you has she it's just a great little scene yeah. um so one of the threads Sort of the thing that they used to tie this episode together, which I guess I'm going to call them threads in our lives that they pull at. So, like, we have a couple different examples of we got Ralph in the car telling Holly the story about the time his mother passed away when he was going to get her this record to play, right? Mm -hmm. And then he hears that song 15 years later in the car talking to his mom about his son. And then we have what is the. Oh, God, what is the other cop's name? Alec? Yes. Alec goes in and tells the lawyer guy. Oh, right, right. You know, I I feel like I should have gone or whatever, but I had this feeling, just like I did before I used to go out for deployment in Iraq where I tasted pennies, Mm -hmm. and I was like, nah. So these little... These little things and these feelings and, like, inklings and, like, Claude feels like they're getting in his head and, like, there's, like... There was this level of uh, creepiness to this episode. That, yeah, that's that a good point. Didn't exist it's all, before. It's all very mental for everybody. Like you, it, it's it's yeah. in your head. Yeah, and we finally get a moment. Or you just have like this like external or internal yeah. sense about something. Yes, or you'll have these moments where things hit you and you can f- you'll be like, oh shit! It's like we, you know, he, Ralph tells Holly the story and she says, "Sounds like a coincidence." Right. It's that's the feeling. Is this a coincidence mm-hmm. or is this like some really spooky timing shit? Like, which just sounds yeah. like what I would describe a coincidence as. Um, but no, it, it was just a, it was just like that thing they put in that element they inserted into this episode just gave it this more cohesive feel or whatever made it even better. Um, so the thing that we got another thing that we got in this episode that really took it to like another level, Ralph's doubts. That we've sort of been like, come on, bro. You know, for the last four episodes, basically, finally start to like shift. He he, he tells her, look, I've been, you got to let me come at this at my own pace. He tells Holly. That's what I've been trying to do. He says he's been trying to approach it. Mm-hmm. That he's been trying to make sense of it. He's trying to get it to fit somewhere in his head that that, that works for him. And she's like, well, fucking do it faster because we, we're... There's a time crunch here, bro. People are going to die. Right. Of course, by the end of the episode, when it is completely proven that Holly's theories are all correct, when Claude, uh, whatever, the Cuckoo version of Claude Cuckoo, 
attempts to snatch this boy from the cave con thing and they get video footage pictures are taken and they were clearly with claude all night we finally see ralph accept Ex- yes yeah oh shit this is real <clears throat> that's another thing that this episode did it's like not only is it showing us el cuco but then it's like okay now and th- if this situation were real you'd be all in at this point yes you'd be like okay this is what would break you right here and they do and they let ralph say okay i i, I yes this is this is happening Seeing so really, character. like it got, they just they went they they stayed true to like a real life narrative, and I appreciate that. Instead of like having Ralph still be like, "Well, what about if it's this though?" You yeah, know? coming you up know with I mean? another reason yeah. to not believe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, which I've got to hope. You know, we didn't give him too much time at the end of the episode. Is not something that he tries to do next week. But I don't think it. Will I don't. Be. Oh, I don't. I think, think we're no. done. The the next time on the Outsider makes it look very much like this penultimate is going to be mm-hmm. us going into the cave, which. There are con- some concerns tied to that because of it, particularly it chapter uh, two. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and what happens down in those caves. Um, now, like I saw a joke, one of our, one of our listeners that I retweeted said, uh, it's going to suck when the outsider ends with everyone down there in that cave yelling <laughs> insults at El Cuco. Because that's literally You're how- You're just a mean old demon. That's how it ended. Yeah. He's like, ah, stop it. You're all mean. <laughs> I'm going back in this, down into another layer of my sewer- <laughs> Shit, dude. What about Georgie? Georgie got eaten. Yeah. Pop, pop, pop. All right. right. Um, To talk about the... Okay. We see visuals of El Cuco. The whole season we've gone without seeing this thing, right? Well, other than its hooded figure with a very shadowy face or whatever. But we're seeing it actively feeding. Mm -hmm. First, we hear it in the scene with Jack in the woods after he snipes the uh, poor fisherman. And El Cuco is just over there feasting. There's no, um, like... There's no changing of the mouth. Once he's in the human form and it's like t- the face is the thing still taking shape, he's yeah. eating with the mouth like a normal mouth, but just like mm-hmm. tearing into, like it's disgusting. Yeah. The noises were very, very gross. But the next time he's feeding, we get like a, we see dude and he's taking Claude's form. You can kind of see it's still a shadowy version of him, but it's Claude. Talking about the end of the episode? Like when he's in the cave feeding. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he like throws a and he's eating hand a, he's or something eating at Jack. A, yeah, he's eating a deer. Yeah, he's eating the deer. What like dude, Jack is is really doing a good job of getting you all this food and you're still a prick to him, like throwing throwing a deer hoof at his head or something when you're done feasting. So one thing uh interesting that I that I kind of gleaned from uh, like a recap is that El, like so is is El Cuco El Cuco. He's trying to He's feeding, right? He's feeding on all this different stuff. He feeds. But it's just building to him needing to feed on a young child. That's what it seems. Right? It's always the, these kids. Like, so does he, do, do, do these net guys, do they like, do they keep trying to satiate him with like deers and random hunters and shit like that before eventually he just like takes the reins and he's like, no, it needs to be a young child. So- so that I can exploit the grief yes. after the, yes. and the aftermath of what happens when an innocent kid dies. The feeding in between is all about getting the strength to fully form the, the person he's doppelganging mm-hmm. and then killing that person. Killing a small child to then cause the grief cycle to yeah. restart so that he can feed and suck up all the grief or the sadness or whatever, the grief eater. Uh, yeah, that's the gist of it. It's yeah. a pretty cool concept. In terms of like Stephen King setups, 
I, I fully understand this one. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's not like, you don't have to explain it to me again. I've, I've, I've pretty much got the gist of the basics of it. Um, that's not always the case with his shit. Like I've said, I read an entire book, a whole book he wrote, and I didn't know what happened. Like at all. I know there was like a dude with a, there was a he had a gun. He was a gunslinger. That's all I know. Whole yeah. fucking book read. Um, dude, so yes, obviously this season could have been shorter, right? We could have done two, maybe even three episodes less. But at this point, especially after what they accomplished with the penultimate to the penultimate, it's not worth talking about anymore. It's just yeah. like, well, they, they, they clearly wanted more. Yeah, and they got they got it back on track for me mm-hmm. in this episode. That's all that matters. And that's and so it's like, yeah. So th- that's that's all I was looking for at that point because, right, we're not changing the, the number of episodes that exist. It's too late. So but, so all we could do is like hope that they that they got it back to in an exciting way. Yeah. And are set up for a very exciting finish, which it appears that they are. They are. And I think, um, obviously, you know, we need to stick the landing here. Important to stick the landing, especially next week. I'm, I'm pretty nervous about the cave situation. But we got two more to have this unfold in a, in a, in a pleasing way. I don't know. There's like a, the thing with penultimate episodes like this and with HBO in particular is they tend to, it's always like how all in, how, how much of their water are they going to blow in nine versus 10? Often what we see is nine is like the all down mm-hmm. drag out fight, mm-hmm. the explosion, the climax, and then 10 sort of like putting the pieces back together and setting up for the next season or something like that. So it'll be interesting to see basically, do we get our showdown with El Cuco tomorrow, literally? It's Saturday right now, tomorrow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or is it going to be in the finale? I, I, I don't know. I, it doesn't really matter either way. I'm stoked. I'm just that's the the questions I have in my head now. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't. I don't have a. I don't have a good a good guess for you actually. Yeah, neither do I. No. Um, but uh, but yeah, we got there though. Kuko is also, you know, the is it going to play in? Is it going to factor in that Kuko, we see his face, and it is Claude's, but like not all the way Claude's? So like, does that give more- We see him cre- eat more after that, though. Does that, does that give more credence to the to the case? Mm. To like help other people believe, understand. like understand what is happening here? Like, so, no, see this really- see Great the, question. See this dude's face? It's not really Claude. He, because, you know, he didn't wait till he was fully transformed to, to do this, right? Yeah, I don't think that- Okay, I don't think the pictures of Claude will help serve the public in any way. It was just to help the R people, mm-hmm. and in particular, like Ralph, probably needed that. Um, they're gonna have to. That's a great question, though. Will they be? Will Will this be handled publicly, or is this gonna be like I'm guessing more our squad here, this you know team of you know what is it seven ish people that we've got trying to solve this thing? They're gonna have to keep it to themselves. Obviously, mm-hmm. you don't defeat El Cuco and then go out and explain it to the New York Times. And then everybody in the country's like, oh, wild. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They found a demon. Yeah. And defeated it. Yeah. Crazy story. No. No. You got to keep it to yourself. Yeah. And then you come back in 20 years and do it all over again as an older person. What's, uh, you have any, any, any thoughts on Claude's brother? That old pot smoking uh, hillbilly? Great character. <laughs> <laughs> why, I was like, he, why was he taking photo of Ralph? Because he's trash and weird <laughs> and high. I love that explanation. He was like, <laughs> had a lot of police in this house over the years, but never one sleeping over. <laughs> Just thought I'd, what he's like, thought I'd uh, yeah, like, mark the occasion. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Uh, I liked his character. I didn't think there was, 
what they've set him up to do is sacrifice himself for his brother. Mm. That's basically the feel I got. Like okay. this dude is a psychotic badass who has been through a lot of shit and mm-hmm. does not care. Okay. He also sells weed and does not care in front of the police, which is some next level cocky shit. <laughs> like the cop asked him to put out a joint and he asked him if he wanted to hit. Okay. And then also another question after this episode, where are you now on thinking that Ralph factors in to any of the conclusion? I'm thinking that, that Ralph obviously as the biggest skeptic and doubter will face the toughest challenges. Now, I keep comparing it to it, but it's because there are some very easy things to compare to. Mm-hmm. The way the clown Pennywise works in it, and he, he, he uses the fears of each person to try to break them, basically. El Cuco has the best... Ralph is going to be the biggest challenge for the good guys, right? The same reason Holly says, explains mm-hmm. to him. If you don't believe in this thing, if you're not capable of seeing it, you can't fight it. Same thing, his wife, Ralph's wife, very concerned at the beginning of the episode. You can't go. You don't believe. You're a fucking problem. You're a detriment to the squad. But don't you think he does believe now? Yes. And what I'm saying is he's going to be in the, in the, when they fight this thing and they're trying to defeat it, Mm -hmm. I imagine it's going to come down to Ralph and his challenges internally. Uh, Okay. Because he has been the one who has refused to accept this until literally they've showed him irrefutable evidence. Sure. And he's ve- he's the one that we've seen how El Cuco could fuck with him, right? We know his story. We know about his son. We've even seen his son appear to him and speak to him only once, though, mm-hmm. right? You got to imagine that comes back into play, that this thing is going to use the the darkness in Ralph, the what he has been through to attempt to, uh, I don't know, turn him, whatever. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Use it against him. That's yeah, what, yeah. Yeah. Do you think that there is any chance that El Cuco in this monster form mm-hmm. is even catchable? That's the thing that will have to come. They'll have to come up with something good here because, and that's the problem we faced with it. It's at the end of it. When you're destroying this, <clears throat> this entity, mm-hmm. how do you go? How does it go down? Do you chop its head off? Does it just fucking yeah and like disappear? Right. Does it go down into a sewer? What What's the move? Yeah. And I, I, I think a difference between the two is that with it, it is very much, I, I think between the two, Pennywise and it is a more like, it's like a different entity than something that we experience in real life. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, it's like an actual demon thing. We know that it's it's like tortured this one town. It actually kills and like steals children. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Flip side, outsider, this is all very metaphorical, right? Okuko and and the uh and the the his the explanation for him by all of like the past cultures, right? By all of the you know, ancient cultures up until modern religions. I mean, they do that shit with it's Pennywise like, too, though. It's like something that we we're aware of where we know the boogeyman. We we're, we're looking for an explanation for why bad things happen and why people are sad and why sure. families get torn apart. Yes. So the whole thing is very, it's like a little bit more metaphorical. It's more, like it's this more is, based in reality to me. Yeah. Like Not this, so this El, is a scary clown. Yeah. El Cuco is like grief personified. Yeah. 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 No, I feel you. I understand what you're saying. So but it's he does like, use all that same type of shit. Like that's for sure his go-to. So it wouldn't, if you kill it, if you get rid of it, mm-hmm. then what are you saying? Like, that's, that that's doesn't exist thing. in the world anymore? Yeah, that's the, that's the thing, right? That's the problem. 
is that we're, it's a different space. It's like, you've, you've, I don't know though. They did a good enough job in this episode. To me, it is almost a little bit the flip of that. Like Pennywise, this demon thing that it really doesn't need more explanation than that. Look, it's torturing this fucking town mm-hmm. and it's just an evil ass entity. Whereas El Cuco is legitimately like a demon on earth going around sowing pain and suffering right. and feeding off of yeah. it. And that's a more like, um, just like a concrete idea that I can look at right. and, and fuck with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just, I, I, that's, that's, dude, how they tie this up is everything, right? Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, with every show, but this one, in, it's such a, it's just such a tough thing to decide at the end. As a writer, as a creator, the dudes who are doing this show, you make a million hard decisions. You're, you're, there are people saying that this episode made this whole show better than the book already, that it took it above and beyond mm-hmm. the way the book wasn't able to close, which is another reason I'm sort of looking at these last couple episodes like, okay, come on, guys. Yeah. Fuck yes, come on. Because the book's close apparently wasn't that strong. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're right there, man. I'm excited. On the cusp. On the cusp. Tomorrow, I watched it, uh, by the way. I watched it just last night. And at night. Mm-hmm. And I had sort of gotten the vibe from Twitter over the week that it was a particularly scary episode. Yeah. But I was not uh, mentally prepared <laughs> in the dark to handle El Cuco. It was, it was, it was good. It, it was definitely probably like the, the, the scariest it's been, I would say. I thought all around it was the best episode of the show. I mean, like episode one or two were, mm-hmm. were good, you know. But this was like, I mean, this was great TV. To they me. did just enough of, you know, we people talk about this with the horror genre a lot. It's like, what's scarier? A super, like what you can see, what we're going to show you, how scary can we make what you see versus like the, you can't see. The, the scariness is in the fact that you don't know or you can't see everything. Yeah. It's and the, so gra- it, it's it the grandma the, doing the fucking spider walk uh-huh. versus paranormal activity. I can't, there is nothing. Right. Right. Like what's scarier? <laughs> They're both pretty goddamn scary. So they, they found like a nice like in between here. Yeah. Where they should, that we got some visuals of the monster, but like not all the way. Mm-hmm. We didn't really get like a true solid look. We're not, at we're the not whole watching picture. it eat from like an angle where we yeah. can see everything. When exactly. we finally even do see it taking bites, it's like the camera comes up over its yeah, head. And- yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it was, it was good. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they pulled that off well. They crushed this whole episode. Ready to move on to Curb? Yeah, let's uh, let's curb it up. Two more episodes of The Outsider, folks. Strap in. Today's episode of OCC is also brought to you by Quip, makers of the Quip Electric Toothbrush, and they want you to know the one single discovery that matters most for your dental care. It is simply this, that if you have good habits, you are good. That means brushing for two minutes twice a day, flossing regularly, no matter what brand you use. Quip makes that simple starting with an electric toothbrush, refillable floss, and anti-cavity toothpaste. I've been using Quip for a few years. They've been incredible, uh, long-standing supporters of OCC and the Clam Fam. Greatest toothbrush in the world. My favorite feature is that it has these, uh, this built-in timer with 30-second pulses to guide a full and even clean so that every time you finish brushing, you literally feel like you've left the dentist. It's incredible. Their Quip floss dispenser comes with pre-marked string to help you use just enough so you're not sitting there ripping out seven feet of floss. Plus, you know how your toothbrush gets like old and, and gross? 
And it wears down. It's a toothbrush. I it's, sure do. Yeah, yeah. So they deliver fresh brush heads, floss, and toothpaste refills to your door every three months with free shipping. So your routine is always right. Just when you're noticing your brush maybe wearing down a bit, boom, comes a new brush head in the mail with toothpaste and, and floss. It's awesome. Join over 3 million healthy mouths. Get Quip today starting at $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash dragon right now, you'll get your first refill free. Free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash dragon. G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash dragon. Quip. The good habits company. Um, Ross. Hmm. Before we jump into Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah. Let, can I just regale you quickly? Regale me. With a little insight into the newest Homeland season. Oh, for the love of God, please. <laughs> okay, so... I think that there are three episodes out now. I've only watched the first one. Okay. Um, and this is season what? This is seven? Eight? Eight? Nine? Something like that? I'll Google it. It's the last one. And For sure? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. This is eight. It's coming to a close. And uh, it's just, it's still running in its highest gear. And at this point, I think the showrunners are just are, are just leaning into the fact that this is simultaneously... One of the best and one of the worst shows on television at the same time. They can, yeah, at the same time they okay. can't and and they can't they can't run away from that anymore. And I'm I think that they're just kind of owning it in this season. They're going to lean into it because yeah because look they they are stuck with Carrie. You're not going to end the season on a on a season. You're not going to end the whole the series on a season that doesn't have Carrie. She's she's got to be the main character. Yeah, she has to be the main character. Yeah, and you, you, Saul you, you, also has to be there. And Saul also has to stupidly still believe in Carrie, all of which is happening in the first episode. <laughs> so, <laughs> which, which, just if you've never watched Homeland, <laughs> Carrie, it's like uh, she's the worst mother and cop ever. And her boss, basically Saul, um, he, as she makes horrific, life destroying mistakes season after season after season after season after season, Saul's always got her back, though. Saul will always prop Carrie up. When push comes to shove, <laughs> and send her out on another mission to fuck that mission up. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's uh, she's she's she, she's a squirrel that always seems to find the nut, but w in the process of finding that nut, she's one of those squirrels in Houston that is just absolutely like terrorizing people, just psychotic and just off the wall, like destroying shit and making horrible decisions. Regular squirrel. Goes to the tree, <laughs> picks up the nut, um, crawls down to the ground, buries the, the nut, comes back later to eat it. <laughs> Carrie is up in the tree, ripping acorns out and throwing them down at people while she makes that cry face. Yeah. So, uh, okay. So let me just tell you what's happened. At the very end of the previous season, she gives herself up to save an, like a United States or an asset that the U.S. needs in the fight against Russia, Russian like cyber and counterterrorism. Sure. Right? Sure. So she goes, she gets taken as a prisoner by the Russians. Okay. Where they torture her by not giving her her meds. That doesn't, okay. So she goes into- Not very nice. So she goes into full psychosis and just in, like insane. Damn. And so at the end of last season, they're finally able to make a prisoner switch. And so Carrie gets- uh, brought back to the U.S. in exchange for some other prisoners. Which oh, so shit. Saul helps orchestrate. This is like full circle, bro, with it Brody. Is, it is a little bit. Wow. And 
she's been there for like six months. She's just a complete head case, like wow. off the rails, crazy. Hadn't had her meds in, in forever. This I season, like the setup. This season starts and she is still in like a recovery ward. Okay. She's almost back to full strength, but she's, she's still, she's getting there and Saul needs her for a mission. And it's a little too soon for her to really like go back out in the field. Is there no one else? <laughs> there's no, there's nobody else. She's the only woman for this job. And at, as you said, as you said, this is where it's coming full circle, which is an interesting idea. Love beca- that. Because, because. They should have done it four seasons ago, there, but love that. There are concerns that while imprisoned. She, she may have been flipped. She ga- Well, that she gave up valuable information. Mm. So not all the way to where she's like all the way a Russian circle. sleeper cell. Got it. But that she was coerced or, you know, used, gave up critical information, and she might not even know that she did. Yeah, because she was obviously off her meds. Yeah. Yeah. Here but, would be an idea. Not giving Carrie critical information. So she's she is now, she's signed away the rights to her uh, daughter. That's how they've gotten rid of that one. Thank God. The, yeah. <laughs> she's... Get her out of here. So if, if you're listening, um, back in like season, uh, season what, two, uh, they were like, oh, fuck, how tight if we gave her this child of this other character that we're going to kill off. And then the next season, they very clearly were like, we've made a huge mistake. Yeah. It, J- Job, Job Bluth, I've made a huge, tiny mistake. Yeah. They, they could not figure out what to do with this kid. They kept having her like put it in imminent danger. Oh, yeah. Over and over. This show after, really after season one. Uh, maybe I'll give it a pass for season two, but in it, in the, in every season post season two, it has jumped the shark at least one time per season, which is amazing. It's an amazing <laughs> feat to do it, to do it over and over and over. Like this. you're just like, crazy. okay, no, this is where they've jumped the shark and yeah. it just kept happening. But the, the ultimate one, the ultimate one was last season when she comes within inches of backing a car over her daughter. <laughs> That's not even like spy <laughs> shit. That's just regular dumbassery. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so we've still got- I'll never forget the scene where they're like, the whole episode's like, Carrie, you can't do this thing. And then she's like, I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. I brought this up over and over. This is already happening in episode one, by the way. And then she goes and does it. And then like, uh, they have to try to like snipe her to (laughs) stop her from doing- Her own squad is like, I think we have to snipe Carrie. Yeah. And then this whole scene, anyway- uh, so yeah, so so episode one, we get Carrie's. Uh, she goes, she she goes over to the Middle East where they are, where they're trying to work some stuff. They're they're you know they're they're working for peace in the Middle East. They want U.S. extraction, but is that what the U.S. really wants? Like yada yada. Okay, and she's she's it, like mentally insane. It, over there, it's by the way. just it's it's uh, it's once again immediately tapping into the reason why I do love this show is because the. I don't think I've ever watched a show that does geopolitics this this well with relevancy like this too. Yeah, but like the just the scenes where like Saul is back channeling with people from um from Pakistan and they're working with like uh, the 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 Iranians and like they're they're just like inject that shit into my veins because they don't they don't show this type of stuff on any other television show. Right. This like. What what I feel like, and whether it's true or not, is in, is an authentic way. It's like all, the it's, way this shit would go yeah, down. Yeah, it's for always real. so sensationalized and like dramatized for your network TV shows, where this type of stuff typically goes 
goes down. And it's right? the type of thing that we don't get like full-blown news reporting on most of the time yeah. because there's all these weird back channels and intricacies to the whole system like you're speaking to. Yeah. And that sort of international um, sort of coalition feel to it, right, of like guys trying to stop the bad guys. Mm-hmm. But also, who's good and who's bad? Yeah, that's the whole the whole show. So it's uh, <laughs> you know, I'm 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 absolutely I'm I'm all the You're way in. in for this last season, and I, I just had to I had to report that uh, Carrie is still here doing her awful thing, and the show is also still really fun to watch. <laughs> I, I'll be honest with you, the explanation that you just gave. I'm I'm dangerously close to considering <laughs> watching the final season of Homeland, which is a. Uh, it's not something I ever thought I would say, man. Uh, I'll report back uh, okay. after after I get caught up on like three episodes. I'm not going to watch it, okay. but All I'm right. just saying I'm, I feel like I could. Yeah, yeah. And more importantly, I'm just excited to hear you talk about it yeah. each week. Yeah, We're going to need updates on this. Okay. All right, we'll so jump to Curb. Yes. Curb Your Enthusiasm Season uh, 10, Episode 6. The Surprise Party, I think it's called. Um, oh, God. There were a few scenes in this one where I lost my shit. Okay. Um, the dog, him Heil Hitlering the German <laughs> Shepherd to get it to sit and to not attack him was like a spit take moment for me where I was like, that's fucking... Oh, dude, I'm an idiot. I, ju- I, I did not even put the pieces together that it was a German Shepherd yep. until right this second. Yeah, it's a German Shepherd, which the Nazis uh, historically used. Um, I'm a fool. Yeah. And by the way, Pirate Steve. Yeah. Uh-huh. From Dodgeball. That's right. Plays the inventor. I don't think I've seen Pirate Steve since Dodgeball. Aged very well, Pirate Steve. Good for you, Pirate Steve. Um, but yeah, he ends up being a white supremacist uh, inventor. For some reason, he's part of a storm chasing unit, which is tight. Also, Leon was like explaining how you'll never catch black people chasing storms. That's like a white person thing, and that was hilarious. Um Leon actually wants to get put in touch with Pirate Steve because he has a lot of ideas uh, for inventions that he that he thinks he could get made, like, you know, like pussy tea. It's all the taste <laughs> of pussy without the commitment. Dude, Leon is the funniest motherfucker on the show. Um, I mean, they hit they hit so many good things here, man. The pre- okay, so like Susie is trying to throw a surprise party for Jeff. But Jeff has a heart condition, and Larry's concerned that Susie might actually be trying to murder Jeff. Finally, she's going to take him out. (laughs) This is her time. She's going to murder him. So he approaches her, where most people would never bring this up. Larry actually broaches the subject, and it becomes this whole thing. Next thing you know, they've dragged the cardiologist into it. The cardiologist is just trying to like use this as an excuse to get to the party. Chris Martin of Coldplay is somehow Rusty! involved. Rusty! Rusty! <laughs> Rusty! Why is that so funny? I don't even fucking know. It's just Larry David doing anything. At this yeah, point. yeah. My dad called me Rusty, uh, or still does sometimes, but like my whole childhood because of the vacation movies, mm-hmm. kid was named Rusty, and my name's Ross, and I don't know. I, you know what? That's as far as the explanation ever went. I was like, this isn't the same name, though, Dad. You know that, right? Sure, they both start with R. I don't go around calling you Barry. <laughs> or like fucking Brent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The hell was he calling me Rusty for? Like 25 years of this shit. Um, it's a nickname. It's not my nickname. <laughs> I get that it's a nickname, but it's not my nickname. Anyway. Oh, God. Larry, uh, we also get back into the handicap placard stuff, could've, which- Could have called you Peaches. Could have called Because one day you, you eat too many peaches, and then- Just throw up. You throw up. Peaches for the rest peaches of your fucking <laughs> life. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, the handicapped placard jokes, which is like, had to have been at least one episode of Seinfeld, at least 40 different stand-up bits from different comedians over the years. Everybody's made jokes about the handicapped placards. Yeah, yeah. Um, that... That mostly all landed to me because Fred Armisen is incredible. Is incredible. He brought in the great thing about this episode and really the season so far. The features have been phenomenal. Vic yeah. Vaughn is is great. Yes, love his character. Very yeah, very subtle Vince Vaughn flex in these episodes. So, do you think Larry pulls people that he's fans of? So, like, do you think he watched Portlandia and was like, "This motherfucker is hilarious." I want to work with him. How do you think this plays? Ooh, I think that like is it that I think with the com- I think, with the, com- I think with, with the comedians that get brought in, mm-hmm. th- they have relationships with Larry through one thing or another. Well, what about like Chris Hansen, or not Chris Hansen? Chris, uh, what's it? Chris Martin? Chris, the, yeah, the Coldplay guy. So, it, well, for Chris Martin, or Clive Owen, or Isla Fisher, or Vince Vaughn, yeah, those I'm not totally sure how those happen because I'm wondering if it's like. Chris Martin of Coldplay, one of the more famous people in the world, mm-hmm. um, watches Curb and loves it and is like, man, I'd really love to get on Curb one day. And it's like his, because it, it could be a million things. It could be like he has his agent literally reach out to HBO and be like, if there's ever an opportunity. It could be like he's at a party and him and Larry David have a conversation and he's yeah. like, I really love Seinfeld. And Larry's like, I love Viva La Vida or whatever the fuck that <laughs> single was. And then they're like, I'm going to put you in an episode. I, I feel like that that's probably more likely, right? More likely is that Larry is an LA fixture, obviously, a, you know, still a very big star in Los Angeles. Yes. Knows one of the more recognizable more, people. Yeah. Probably. Knows a ton of people. And he like, I, I think a lot of the celebrities are people that Larry has made friendships with or established friendships with. That's the feeling I get. And then because that's, and then he's the like, hey, cast, I've got sure. this idea, you know, would you want to you want to be in a, a curb episode? Yeah. Cuz that's for sure the case with the cast, right? Like all these cast members he's built, they're clearly people he knows, people he has relationships with, Richard Lewis, Ted Danson, yada yada. Um this this was another good one though. This was not a, a miss for me. This was this episode was very much a hit. There was an there was <laughs> There was enough shit. There was so much packed into it, dude. Him using the waiting room to wait between appointments, even though he's not scheduled for an appointment that day. <laughs> and then the and then the and then the sec or the uh, receptionist being like smoke. Did you notice who that was? Who? No, but she she looked so familiar. Who was uh, Rebecca Romaine? There's another like little cameo or uh-huh. big cameo. She hasn't done anything in a really long time, no. huh? That's who that was. Formerly Rebecca Romaine Stamos, of course. Wow. But swims, swims, yeah. Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue cover model multiple times, I think. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, so Larry's in there telling her, you know, not, every, not, every, not everything's a hit. Not everybody's hitting on you <laughs> just because you're the hot receptionist or whatever. Like him trying to delve into these little things is just like, it's, it's sort of uncomfortable because he's like, He's just frankly too old to completely get it. Mm-hmm. It's not his fault. He's just not anywhere near our generation. And at the same time, there's like these little like little morsels of truth to the dumb shit he says. Yeah. From the wrong angle. But it makes it very, very funny and comical. And he's just such Yeah, no, the, the, the setup, the, all the things that you just mentioned are what makes it really yeah. like, uh, at the same time, both cringeworthy and funny and uh, semi-truthful. Like and it's related, all, yeah, it's all funny. Like that's yeah. it's why it's why it works is because he's kind of like a singular voice that can kind of get away with 
with this uh, perspective. Because his comedy at this point is almost like, I'm a dumbass and I, it's like a psychopath and I know it, but it's hilarious. And like, <laughs> this is just my shit and here's the things I think are funny. Yeah. It's great, man. Um, the show is, has really, I don't know if it's like taking things to another level this season, but I think it's consistently hitting in that higher place where what has made Curb Curb yeah. over the years. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I just loved the idea of this episode that Susie is trying to kill Jeff. Like that's phenomenal. I, I think that anybody that, that's listening to this podcast can tell I, you bring Susie in to like stir the pot yeah. and that's odd, like, it's just, it's immediate comic gold, basically. Um, comedic gold. She is so the, angry. The outfits that they, that they put on her as well. Her fashion. Just, just hilarious. What does she scream at the cardiologist? She's like, what is his name? Oh, Rusty or Rusty. whatever. <laughs> Rusty. She's like, don't you talk to Chris Martin. <laughs> Get away from Chris Martin. Coldplay guy's just like, what the shit is this? Uh, I think it would probably fall six episodes so far. And I think I would put this in the bottom half. Really? As my as far as my favorites go. I don't, oh, think, it, I like, I don't think it made top three. It was, it was, I think it was probably like, in, it was two or three for me so far. Okay. Yeah. Wow. wow. In this season. I re- no, I really liked it for some reason. Like I was, I was dying laughing. Rusty! Rusty. Also, the I love Mocha Joe's mom, Mocha Jane. Mm-hmm. Just ridiculous. I'm gonna move on to a top five. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, last thing. Mm. I think one of the other. This could have been a reason that that it didn't totally get into my uh, top half of the season so far. Okay. Here, and that is because Larry David is clearly not familiar with uh, Yeti mugs. No, he's not. Yeah, the, and the so the in- needing an invention to keep coffee hot, hot. for lo- literally, I mean, seriously, longer than you wish it would stay hot, right? Has already been done by the stainless steel tumbler people. Yes, which is Vince Vaughn's. Like, you mean a thermos? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, so they kind of they kind of laugh at it. They kind of give it a little yeah. little hint. Yeah, but he doesn't need the. You don't need a no the w- coffee cup warmer. You just need a. The cup that already exists that keeps your coffee way too hot <laughs> for way too long, and that's that's the I guess that was also part of it. Is that I actually, I w- like when I get coffee in the morning, I pour it and I go shower because I can't drink it until twelve minutes later. I have never had coffee handed to me or c- made for myself and then gone. This isn't hot enough. Yeah, yeah. ever. It's the opposite. So that's that's also like, I guess, like maybe like you get older and like you've burned all your taste buds off and your yeah. tongue is like all calloused and you just want like hot drink. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I've never cared about this. When my coffee gets cold, I'm still drinking it. Yeah. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I enjoy it more when it's hot, <laughs> but not too hot. Right. I need it to cool down. I'm typically like you. I'll make my coffee and take a fucking shower. Yeah. Take so, after. you know, whatever. Funny episode. Good stuff. Always. Uh, the toilet invention and the, and the women's toilet scene. Oh, my God. Also and then when he's yeah. like, did you consult women on this? He's like, no. <laughs> Him and Vince Vaughn squatting backwards on the toilet, holding the bars, which, by the way, the whole no touching thing. We're, now we're all... What? No. I, I almost thought he was going to yell no touching. Oh, that would have been something else. Because, yeah, I, of, of course I picked up on that. That would have been something else. But I was like, uh, it's pretty close Is to a, 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 direct, like a, a direct reference. A little head nod here. Yeah. All right, let's do a top five. You know who I've chosen? I No, I don't. I've chosen Nicole Kidman. Okay. To do our top five of, because uh, we haven't done a, an actress. 
okay. in a couple weeks, few what, weeks. What put you uh, onto Nicole? So she's obviously had this like resurgence in her career, right? It started with Big Little Lies, I would argue. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. She's always been like an A-list woman in Hollywood, but she has sort of a strange... Um, I mean, it's not something I really realized, honestly, until we started digging into it. She has a strange, like, IMDb pitch. If you're going through all of her movies, what I recognized here, and I'll start, what I'll start uh, admitting to more and more as we go through her list of most famous films, is that I haven't seen a lot of these. And that was sort of like, you know, look, not, not everybody we do am I going to have seen all of their best work, obviously. Mm-hmm. So neither are you. No, no. But there are, a lot of her best work is shit from, a t- like, not recent I've seen all her recent good work. I have not seen a lot of it from when you and I were children. When it was her and Tom Cruise doing like movie after movie after movie after movie after movie together, which I didn't realize they did like five mm-hmm. during the course of their, they were married, Relationship, right? Relationship, yeah, marriage, sure. Sure, which is, uh, which is like a whole thing that makes her even more interesting to me. Anyone who was married to Tom Cruise at any point, I would just, that's got to be one of the most interesting people in the world. What what I I need to know what's going on there at some point. Like, do you sign stuff? How many NDAs are there? Yeah, how all that works. She was for sure like one of the first people in Hollywood where you looked at her and Tom Cruise and you were pretty confident this was a business relationship. Like at the end, at least. But like it benefited everybody pop culture wise. Yeah, it t- it t- very very interesting. Just like you said, I mean. Maybe one day we'll get some type of tell-all from somebody. Probably not, though. Probably not. Too many This guy boundaries. has... Well, and also, like, this shit has been going on for 40 years now or whatever. It's not new. Or 30 years. Yeah. More like Our 30. whole life, bro. Yeah. yeah. Our whole lives. Uh, and there really isn't all that much information about it. Other than that... We feel pretty certain that somebody like Katie Holmes, what, like, signs a contract. Yep. Um... And then is released from the contract after a certain duration of time or can re-up it or whatever. part of the contract. There's probably sure. all that oh, like it, non-disclosure the, the shit is, that goes right. forever. Totally. Uh, like you said, though, f- with Tom and Nicole, they adopted kids together. They, uh, they were start, building a family. They, they started. In, they starred in movies together before. Like that was clearly kind of like how they their relationship started. Right. That's so what made it feel like it could have been manufactured some, though too. You know, there was some... There's something there for sure. No, that's. I, I feel it, that's the thing that's tough to di- to like differentiate with the Hollywood stuff. Like the greatest example in modern day is Kanye West and Kim Kardashian. Mm-hmm. Nobody on the planet, outside of her and him, and her mom, knows what the hell is going on there. <laughs> is this a business relationship? Is this legit? Like, what the f- has everybody signed contracts? Yeah, like, yeah. what are we doing here? Yeah. How do these people even communicate <laughs> with each other? I, I, it's just it's, it's dumbfounding. Did you see them, vi- that video of them making out on the elevator, though? No. Yeah. Well, it's, this is intriguing to they me. They were having a smooch. They got caught on on camera. No shit. And a then candid Con- moment. Yeah, and then Kanye gets like, he gets real kind of like, he notices the cameras as the elevator comes down. Like, it's transparent. Okay. And they're like, kissing. And he like, starts like, he, you know, he gets all that, that sheepishness yeah, that yeah. he does sometimes. Yeah. And he, wa- and he like, immediately walks off the elevator and leaves Kim in there to pick up like twelve shopping bags because he's just because <laughs> he's just shook. Yeah, he's such an awkward human like, being. Uh, gets <laughs> off, yeah. Kim like grabs all the shopping bags. <laughs> I fucking love that guy, dude. I, I don't care how crazy he gets. Yeah. I really don't. I'm serious. There's nothing he could do at this point that I would uh, that I would be less of a Kanye fan. Yeah. It's absurd. So yeah. Um, so let's run through some of these, shall we? 
Yeah, I, I'm I'm now on her IMDb and she really has had a resurgence. And for some reason, she's just not picking movies that I am personally invested in seeking out and watching. Right. Like there are several movies in the last 10 years here that I would watch, but I just haven't. Like I want to see Bombshell. Goldfinch mm-hmm. was a colossal uh, flop, but it it sounded interesting. She's hit a lot of flops. I've not seen the Aquaman. I've not seen any of the Aquaman movies. Never even though I like it. Jason Momoa. Golden Compass. Um, Never going to watch it. Let's see. Um, Never going to watch Aquaman. You're not going to watch Aquaman. The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Sounds tight. Uh, it's my number five. Lion tight. was a, was supposed to be a really good movie that I never saw. I heard that was unfucking real. I mean, it won a bunch of awards too. The Have people s- told just me that Lion was awesome. <laughs> I'm the only one who knows. Um, but I'm serious. That one I want to watch. She's that. a voice in Paddington, which I hear. Which I hear those are great. The films. Paddington Bear movies. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, those are supposed to be good. Yeah, Stoker. So in my top actually, five. I think I saw that. I, I saw Stoker. I, yeah. Yeah, the Paperboy, I think she gets peed on by Zac Efron or something in that one. See? Why would I have not watched that? Yeah. But that's because they kind of float under the radar. They, yeah, they do. They so, do. I'm going to run through some of her movies. Did you notice that she <laughs> plays Mrs. Coulter in The Golden Compass? Ah, yeah. Liza! What is it? What are the kids' names? Uh, Lyra. Lyra! And <laughs> Roger! Billy Costa! Billy Costa! Um, okay, so the ones I haven't seen. Bombshell. Which I still include in my top five. <laughs> uh, okay. Killing of a Sacred Deer, mm-hmm. I still include in my top five. And those are the only two I haven't seen in my top five. But you're putting them in your top five. <laughs> yeah, they both have to be in my top Here's my top five. Number one, <laughs> Eyes Wide Shut. Okay. One of my all-time favorite movies, her and Tom Cruise. Um, what, what is the name of the director whose name is slipping my mind at the moment? This is the most disrespectful. Stan, uh, Stan, Kubrick. Uh, Kubrick. 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 Love it. Stanley Kubrick. Great movie. Absolutely phenomenal. In part because she is just ridiculously hot, but also an incredible movie. Uh, That's my number one. And it's not close. My number two is The Others. Do you remember this movie? It's a Uh, horror movie. Yes, I do. I have seen this three or four times just sort of randomly. It came out in 2001. Now, it's not a great movie, but it's my number two. Okay. (laughs) Number three is Bombshell, even though I haven't seen it. (laughs) Just because I assume... Number four is Stoker. I have seen it, but I assume it's not as good as Bombshell. Solid film. And then number five, Killing of a Sacred Deer, because it sounds like it's probably tight as hell. And it it seems like it would make my top five. Now, I've seen The Beguiled, and it didn't make my top five. It was just okay. I saw it in theaters. I've seen Days of Thunder, but I was like 10. It's just been too long. Okay. So I'm throwing other shit in there. I gotcha. I don't fucking know. Dogville, Bewitched. I haven't seen these films. The Paperboy, The Hours, To Die For, Rabbit Hole. Haven't seen any of them. You know what almost made my top five? Batman Forever. Just because I don't give a fuck. Yeah. That's my top five. There is, which, isn't there one where she is uh, with Will Ferrell? And, yeah! And uh, she plays like the genie. The, the, to, that, that would be Bewitched. Bewitched, Bewitched. It oh, was, yeah, there it, is. it there was it is. the movie version of the childhood Nickelodeon Nick at Night show, Bewitched. Yeah. With the right. nose twinkling. That's <laughs> that's the one. That's the one. That hot genie. Um some others to throw out there. I really this is uh this is sad here. Mm. Just I, I really it's hard to put together a top five here because I really I've made I've maybe like I I'm sure I've seen more than five of these films. See? 
Isn't this weird? But but really only about five that like stand out to me. So she is really great in Days of Thunder, which is a movie that I've seen more recently than you have. Mm. And it's just also like an awesome old school 90s movie. Classic 90s. Robin's racing, baby. You know Robin what I mean? Robin's racing. Yeah. Uh, Robert Duvall, great. Tom Cruise, great. She's great. Uh, good good love interest uh, in, the, in the story there. Stoker, I remember thinking was awesome. I can't remember exactly what happens, but I know there's like a bad dude. Who's maybe like he's messing with a daughter, messing it's with like, the mom. Yeah, she, like, it's like the mom has a new boyfriend who's right. very questionable, and what, the daughter yes, is yes. super skeptical about what his intentions may that or may was, not be. That was a cool movie. I like that a movie. lot. Yeah. That could have been in my top five. I should have bumped the killing of a sacred deer and let Wait, no. You put it was in front there. of killing yeah. of a sacred deer. Look at me. I'm on I'm a pro. Um she has a small role that's a lot of fun in one of my favorite, let's see, I guess like where, where do we draw? What's the de, what's the delineating line in Adam Sandler's filmography? What do you put like? Where do you draw the line? Is it is it is it Waterboy? Did you just say delineating? Yeah, I'm googling it. I don't know what the fuck that means. Like like career one and career two for Adam Sandler. Describe or portray something precisely. Yeah. So for me, it's probably Little Nicky. Is it little? Li, so Little Nicky in previous, mm-hmm. and then. After post uh, little Nikki, just, somewhere in there. That's where that's where it broke for me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Somewhere in there. So right about. So yeah, we can say little Nikki because I actually I liked little Nikki. I know that's like I, a, a questionable take, but I thought it was pretty funny. I think it's like a 50-50 take at this point. Okay. I'm serious. So in modern day Sandler, one of my favorite movies is Just Go with It. Okay. I haven't seen it. It's it's him and Jennifer Aniston, who have great chemistry. I watched that dumbass cruise movie they made. Throw in Brooklyn Decker at the absolute height of her powers. Oh, good God. I, everybody remembers this trailer. And um, and this is a really, I think I think it's a fun, a fun, easy movie to watch. Anyway, Nicole Kidman has a small role in this film that's like one of these ones that's, all, that's, that's always fun to watch because you take a likable actor and make, put them in a really unlikable role. Sure. And that's what, that, that's her. She plays Devlin. Ah, and just go with it. Love that. So that's so I that stands out in my mind. Um, I'm just watching the GIF of Brooklyn Decker uh, walking on the <laughs> walking beach, of, and it's. Yeah. I got to be honest with you. This is this episode's over. <laughs> I've just got that's it. There's nothing else inside my head that's going to come out now. Um, Sorry. Yeah, though that's re- that's that's all I have to uh, to add. What what year was this? 2011. Good God! This is when Sandler was like, you know what? I, I can just cast whatever <laughs> fucking A-list beauty I want in these things, man. Like, screw it. I'm going Jennifer Aniston and Brooklyn Decker. Mm-hmm. Like, the callbacks for this were like, the people around Sandler had to be like, Adam, this is very obvious <laughs> what you're doing here. It's genius, but sir, people may notice. So yeah, those are, those are my only additions. At this point, I honestly, when I think Nicole Kidman, I'm thinking Big Little Lies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... I am um, looking forward to seeing if she can pick, or her agent, whoever, some real winners this next, like, three, five years. I mean, I think- I need some good Kidman. Again, I will say, though, like, there are movies in here that were Academy Award-nominated movies. Yeah, that we just haven't seen. Hours, I'm pretty sure. Was one, yeah. Was one. (laughs) To Die For may have been one. That we're just not paying attention to because they're 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 not the type of thing that we are like- 
wanting to watch, really. And some of them were just before, like, some of them were things I'd be willing to watch or interested in now, but when they came out, I was too little or too young to really give a shit, so I'll have to go back and watch them, like Killing of a Sacred Deer or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? Anyway, but, Nicole Kidman. Weird what's... top five. Two movies I haven't seen. She was, or how about, you ever heard of a movie called Rabbit Hole? She was nominated for an Oscar for it. No, and it's one that if you go, like, top Nicole Kidman movies, you're gonna see over and over and over on every list. And so it she, has to be good. She won. But that she won Best Actress for the hours. I don't even know what the fuck that is. Nicole Moulin Kidman. Rouge. We didn't mention Moulin Rouge. She was also nominated for that. Lady Marmalade. Remember that be song? A lady that was peak Christina Aguilera. Mm-hmm. Pre-Dirty, I think. Ooh. Was it? No, what? I don't think so. Uh, Dirty was a weird... Extina vibe. Let's do top five Extina songs. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't want to admit to this, like, but I will. I watched that video with her, that boxing ring for the Dirty song, like twenty thousand times. Oh, probably. It's I, good. It's a good video. Most of the YouTube views that on that counter are me from the age of like Golden sixteen Globe. to eighteen. Golden Globe nominations for the Paperboy, Birth, Cold Mountain. Oh, Cold what, Mountain one we didn't what, mention. That's what Renee Zellweger won for. I'll put that at my number six. Haven't seen it. <laughs> uh, to Die For, 1995. Billy Bathgate, 1991. There are, Literally never heard of that movie. Don't know what that is. There are three or four Nicole Kidman movies that I have reminded myself exist as a result of this top five that I will now go out and watch. Yeah. And that is the gift that these top fives give yeah. to all of us. There it is. Isn't it? Are you going to do a five? Did you already? No, I really just added to your, I, I'm, like I said, like I, I've, I can name about five of these movies that I recall Look, with, d- with clarity. Just and guess so that, what your those... number seven would be. What would, what would seven, just guess, just guess. Just take a shot. Cold Mountain. Okay, there you go. Barrett's number seven <laughs> was Cold know. Mountain. Uh, Cold Mountain's my number one, actually. My number six, and I haven't <laughs> seen it. It's your number seven. Now it's been moved to your number one, and that will do it for today's episode of OCC. Huge thanks to our sponsors, Felix Gray and Quip, for supporting the show. You can also support us directly and receive so much more OCC each month ad-free at that by going to patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles. In February, we had our 2020 Oscars recap and review, hotline calls for all. We did our throwback movie club on Casino Royale. And of course, right after this, Barrett and I are recording our final Patreon episode for the month of February, the hotline call extravaganza, which will be available this evening, Saturday evening, for all of you in the Mollusk Militia to enjoy. Thank you for your continued support and making this podcast possible. Follow us on social media for updates on the best in TV and film that you can find on the whole of the internet, Instagram, at Oysters, Clams, Cockles, Twitter, at Clams and Cockles, and we're on Facebook.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles. I'm Ross Bolin. You can follow me at W-R-B-O-L-E-N, at W-R-Bolin on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. You can also hear my voice on the Ross Bolin podcast, available wherever you're listening to or watching OCC, and freeze all motor functions for uh, when Westworld drops here in a few weeks. The number one Westworld podcast in the world, also a Bolin Media production. Freeze all motor functions, also available wherever you're listening to OCC. Barrett, where can we hear more of your voice and follow you on social medias? Uh, Social medias at Barrett Dudley, Instagram and Twitter. And uh, wherever you are listening to this podcast, go into that search bar, type in Club Cool. Club Cool. And then subscribe, like, review, listen. My number eight. Profit. Rabbit hole. Okay. Yeah.
I'll give you my nine and ten next week. Was Eyes Wide Shut your number one? Yeah, it was. That's for real though. That's a real ranking. That's one that that's another one that like that out of all the ones we've talked about, like Eyes Wide Shut is one that I I need to go watch. You haven't seen Eyes Wide no. Shut? Mm-hmm. Oh, you love it. You'll re- you'll really like it. Yeah. It's fucking weird. Yeah. Yeah, it's tight. It's and it's sexy enough to like mm. give you like it's just it's like a good Saturday night movie. Okay. All right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. That's a good date night movie. Okay. Just get the blood going. <laughs> All right, we're fucking out of here. Oh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you all again uh, for your patience this week as Barrett and I had a weird schedule and had to wait till Saturday. We really, what it was is we knew this episode of The Outsider was going to be so good Mm. that the more anticipation we could draw in by making y'all wait and the less sleep y'all got. uh, I saw all your tweets. We need to hear you discuss The Outsider. It's been freaking me out for four days. We just wanted y'all to be uh, suffering. That was was the idea. Leave you uh, in great discomfort. Now we are the grief eaters. That's right. Until our next topic. Adios, muchachos.